It's August 10th, 2021, and this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. I'm Adam Levine here again with Adrian Bluss for your daily news roundup. On today's show, we're talking Bitcoin, Coindesk takes a stand, the latest headlines, and more. Today's episode is sponsored by Kava, Nexo.io, and Celo. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Bitcoin continued its recent winning streak, jumping above the 200-day moving average near $45,000 for the first time in more than two months. Now the currency is trading roughly flat over the past 24 hours as the rally near $45,000 appears exhausted. Short-term overbought signals could encourage profit-taking, although buyers will likely return between $38,000 and $40,000, which analysts tell us is the new support zone. But zooming out a tad, Bitcoin is up 59% from July 21st lows of $29,500 and up about 20% over the past week. That compares against a 25% rise in Ether, the world's second-largest cryptocurrency. Quote, There seems to be a shift in the sentiment in the market compared to a few months back. Ulrich Leike, executive director of crypto hedge fund ARK36, told Coindesk by email, quote, We've recently seen some seemingly negative news coming out about Binance facing regulatory scrutiny that did not seem to influence the price a lot, end quote. Daily trading volume in August is also at its highest in over two weeks, given the recent flurry of trading activity backed by strong demand. Quote, There was buying pressure from Coinbase, and I think the demand was from institutional investors, said the CEO of Korea-based blockchain analytics firm CryptoQuant. They also noted that based on the so-called kimchi premium and other on-chain indicators, retail investors were mostly absent from Bitcoin's recent run. In fact, Coindesk's Mu Yao Shen found that lawmakers and regulators' increasing scrutiny of crypto markets, including the debate over the U.S. infrastructure bill's crypto tax reporting provision, may be spooking retail investors, but not institutional ones. These larger investors, as represented by large-value dollar transactions, fueled Bitcoin's nearly 20% price gain since last week, as indicated by Glassnode data. Quote, The bill result so far is not great, but it's going to be followed by months of united crypto lobbying, Kyle Davies, co-founder of Three Arrows Capital, told Coindesk on Tuesday. Continuing the quote, the U.S. has seen prominent senior government officials fight on their behalf for crypto. I expect we'll look back at this process as a great unifier that galvanized the industry, end quote. Bitcoin is currently trading at $46,064, that's up just under half a percentage point in the last 24 hours, while Ether is trading at $3,225 per token, that's up just over 2.5% in the same time period, according to the Coindesk Price Index. Turning to traditional markets, European stocks rose to a record on strong earnings, while U.S. futures drifted as investors continued to monitor comments from Federal Reserve officials on scaling back stimulus measures. The stock 600 index climbed for the seventh straight day with gambling company Flutter Entertainment gaining 8% after beating profit estimates. Contracts on the S&P 500 index were little changed, while those in the Nasdaq 100 gained. Shares of meme trader favorite AMC Entertainment Holdings rose as much as 13% in pre-market trading after the theater chain's second quarter results beat estimates. Stocks rose in Japan, which reopened after a holiday, as well as in Hong Kong and China. Crude oil bounced back from three-week lows on bets that the global demand recovery will remain intact despite ongoing coronavirus concerns. Treasuries were a little changed, and the dollar edged higher. That's all according to Bloomberg. And in related news, here are a few quick headlines we're tracking today. You can find the links to the full stories in the show notes for this episode. After the break, we'll take a look at the first issue Coindesk has decided to take a company stance on in an opinion piece that's spurring the creation of an editorial board for extreme situations. But first, here's what's hot. Lone Senator Rejects Crypto Provision in the Infrastructure Bill In a blow to the digital asset industry, the U.S. Senate did not adopt a bipartisan compromise on a crypto tax provision in its $1 trillion infrastructure bill after a vote on Monday. 
U.S. Senators Cynthia Loomis, a Republican from Wyoming, and Pat Toomey, a Republican from Pennsylvania, announced the compromise was supported by Democrats, Republicans, and the Treasury Department when introducing the amendment earlier in the day, saying it would exempt crypto transaction validators from a broadened definition of broker. U.S. Senator Richard Shelby, a Republican from Alabama, filed an objection after attempting to attach his own amendment to the omnibus infrastructure bill that would have increased military spending. Senator Bernie Sanders, a Democrat from Vermont, objected to the Shelby motion, which resulted in Shelby then objecting to the overall compromise itself. Coindesk's Nick Day has details in the show notes on how this increasingly important story went down. And a quick note for myself, as someone who's been in the industry since 2013, although the fight in Washington is about amendments that would avoid classifying participants who literally cannot comply with the broker requirements because they don't have the data required to comply and frankly have no way to get it, even with the best case scenario amendment included, this would still be a significant change to the industry as we know it today. Traditionally, these sorts of brokerage compliance requirements apply to companies dealing explicitly with financial assets, things recognized as securities, or more complex instruments. So, for example, a company that deals in secondhand furniture is not considered a broker. In crypto, we've long assumed that such a distinction would be the norm. Tokens that act like securities would be treated like securities. Tokens that act like money would be treated like money. And tokens that act like collectibles would be treated like collectibles. But that is not what is likely to happen should the infrastructure bill be adopted, as is incredibly likely. Instead, any company that regularly sends tokens on behalf of another party would now be considered brokers. And that's basically everybody, from NFT marketplaces to even simple e-commerce applications to tokenized rewards programs that are distributed for free. So while the headline news isn't good, and any amendment would improve things slightly in that it would not create laws that could literally not be complied with, even with the best of the amendments, this is a big deal, and it's a story we'll be watching. In other news, Robinhood has made it big by persuading a new generation of investors to have a go at trading. Now it just has to convince the successful ones to stick around. The US-based broker listed its shares last month, capitalizing on a flood of demand for a commission-free app that makes stock trading so easy it's been compared to a game. Last week, Robinhood shares soared 50% in a day, in a move reminiscent of volatile meme stocks such as GameStop that have long been popular among its customers. Meanwhile, Bloomberg reports that Tesla Inc. shipments of China-made cars to the local market fell a sharp 69% last month following a run of negative publicity that culminated in the recall of almost every vehicle the California-based company has sold in the nation. But offsetting the bad news at the same time, the company saw about five times as many vehicles delivered to Europe as the prior month. And speaking of cars, an article in Reuters reports that early this year, Brian Benstock, a Honda and Acura dealer in New York City, convinced his banker it would be smart to buy more vehicles than he could fit onto his parking lot. And the bet paid off. Popular SUV models are getting snatched up by customers as soon as they reach his dealership. Automakers can't build new ones fast enough because of semiconductor shortages, and like his peers, Benstock is in the happy position of applying additional charges to sticker prices. Quote, dealers really don't have a choice with supplies so low. Without the additional markups, they might find it difficult to keep their doors open, end quote. But why drive when you could just stay at home? With many people working from home, people are finding more advantages to staying in the home office compared to commuting to the office building if they can get away with it. But it turns out Google employees who work from home could lose money. Those based in the same office before the pandemic could see different changes in pay if they switch to working from home permanently, with long commuters hit harder, according to a company pay calculator seen by Reuters. Turning to international news, crypto exchange CoinDCX hits unicorn status in a first for India. 
the prominent Indian exchange has raised 6.7 billion rupees, which is the equivalent of $90 million, from investors in a funding round that achieved a valuation above a billion. Funding will go towards hiring efforts, including doubling the exchange's business team in the next six months to around 400 people. The move marks a major achievement in the face of regulatory uncertainty relating to Indian official stance toward cryptocurrencies. Coinbase Sebastian Sinclair has that story. Turning to industry news, Ether held on centralized exchanges has hit a three-year low. The proportion of Ether held on centralized exchanges dropped to 9.4% of the total supply earlier today, the lowest in three years, according to data from crypto intelligence platform OKLink. The main factor for the outflow is decentralized finance, better known as DeFi. Eddie Wang, a senior reporter at OKLink, told Eliza Gritzy of Coindesk. Wang pointed to wrapped Ether, or WETH, being the top address in the Ether rich list, as well as deposits and liquidity pools of popular DeFi protocols to explain the outflow of Ether from centralized exchanges. Wrapping Ether is the process of converting it to an ERC-20 token, which renders the digital asset easy to swap, transfer, and because of this, makes it a key driving force for DeFi and other systems. And in case you were wondering what's going on with the top stablecoin, Tether has revealed more details about its reserves. According to a report dated June 30th, $30.8 billion, or 49% of Tether's reserves, were held in commercial paper, which are effectively short-term corporate loans and certificates of deposit, out of which roughly 93% were rated A2 or above, and just 1.5% rated below A3. Other reserves included 10% held in cash and bank deposits, 1.6% in reverse repo notes, and 24.3% in U.S. Treasury bills based on the attestation. Coinbase Francis Yu has all the details in the show notes. And finally, ex-SEC director Brett Redfern leaves Coinbase after just four months. The rift points to a strategy shift within the publicly traded crypto exchange, unnamed sources told the Wall Street Journal, with Coinbase deciding to, quote, shift its priorities away from digital asset securities, the report said. A source with knowledge of the situation told Coindesk the priority shift reflected growing consumer demand for access to decentralized finance, better known as DeFi. Quote, as we looked at prioritizing DeFi, we deprioritized the digital asset securities area, the source said. Coindesk Zach Seward has all the details there. And in lighter news, here's our intern, Adrian Blust. America's largest theater chain, AMC, is leaning into crypto but did not specify what technology would use to accept payments. Quote, we are also in the preliminary stage of now exploring how else AMC can participate in this new burgeoning cryptocurrency universe, and we're quite intrigued by potentially lucrative business opportunities for AMC if we intelligently pursue further serious involvement with cryptocurrency, CEO Adam Aaron said. After the announcement, the stock jumped 13.2% in value before swiftly falling back down. Coindesk Cheyenne Ligon reports. And in NFT news, DraftKings charts NFT long game with Marketplace debut. A collaboration with Tom Brady's NFT side hustle, Autograph, the DraftKings marketplace will begin dropping NFTs featuring the Buccaneers quarterback on Wednesday. More athlete drops will closely follow, DraftKings said. The DraftKings Autograph tie-up was first revealed last month. The NFTs will be minted on an eco-friendly Ethereum Layer 2 that has not yet been disclosed. Coindesk Danny Nelson reports. Thanks for that, Adrian. Stay tuned for After the Break when we'll be back with Coindesk's take on the hubbub in Washington. Back in a minute. Kava gives you the ability to earn more by connecting the world's largest cryptocurrencies, ecosystems, and financial applications on DeFi's most trusted, scalable, and secure earning platform. Kava is an institutional-grade cross-chain engine built to scale on the largest decentralized proof-of-stake network. With loan APYs as low as 0% and reward APYs as high as 200%, Kava is the safest place for you to grow your digital portfolio. 
mint stablecoins. Lend, borrow, earn, and swap safely across the world's biggest crypto assets with Kava. To learn more, visit kava.io slash marketsdaily. Looking to make the most of your crypto assets? Nexo.io's got you covered. Grow your wealth securely with Nexo's high-yield interest accounts. Buy crypto on your terms, directly within Nexo's platform, and start earning daily compounding interest right away. Get the cash you need without selling your crypto from just 6.9% APR. Instantly swap between 100 crypto and traditional currency pairs. And don't worry, Nexo is insured against losses up to $375 million. Get the most of your crypto at nexo.io. That's N-E-X-O I-O. Did you know that there are 4,000 crypto assets in the market today? There's only one network that makes your crypto mobile. Celo's mobile-first platform makes financial dApps and crypto payments accessible to anyone with a mobile phone. Celo's eco-friendly proof-of-stake consensus mechanism and phone verification protocol makes it easy for you to spend, send, stake, and earn Celo assets and stablecoins all from your mobile phone. Visit Celo.org and download Celo-compatible dApps today. That's C-E-L-O dot O-R-G. Today's featured story is an opinion piece from Coindesk Chief Content Officer Michael J. Casey and Executive Editor Mark Hochstein. Coindesk almost never adopts a formal editorial position on issues. We feature a wide variety of outside and internal opinion pieces, including those the two of us pen in our personal capacities. We usually leave the task of presenting the organization common perspective to the breadth and balance of a newsroom's reporting, rather than explicitly taking an official point of view on any given topic. We now feel compelled to make an extremely rare break with that tradition, in response to the U.S. Congress's deliberation over competing amendments to a controversial cryptocurrency provision in the infrastructure bill. We write to state that Coindesk endorses the changes floated in an amendment to the bill proposed by Senators Ron Wyden, a Democrat from Oregon, Cynthia Loomis, a Republican from Wyoming, and Pat Toomey, a Republican from Pennsylvania. Unfortunately, that amendment did not make it to a vote. Under the circumstances, we urge lawmakers to vote against the entire bill unless the crypto provision is removed or sufficiently modified before the final vote. We favor debating the very complicated crypto issues regulated in this package in a separate, properly considered bill. There are arguments for and against Congress procuring an estimated $1 trillion to improve the nation's outdated, creaking infrastructure. Our point is not to support either side in that debate merely to argue that ramming through this bill should not be done at the cost of curtailing innovation in one of the most promising technologies of the digital age and, more alarmingly, impeding on the civil liberties Americans hold dear. The bill has the potential to thrust every single transaction by U.S. crypto users into an invasive dragnet. By passing it unamended, Congress would be cutting off its nose to save its face. The U.S. government should treat cryptocurrency as it treated the Internet at the same point of its development protected from premature, overzealous, and onerous regulations that, lacking such protections, would push innovation and ultimately tax revenue from the country to distant shores. If Congress wants to change or clarify how cryptocurrency is handled, it should do so in a purpose-built bill that simply does that, rather than trying to backdoor major regulatory changes in a 2,500-page omnibus vehicle. As a matter of principle, cryptocurrency and blockchain technologies are built on open-source software run by permissionless, transparent networks. In plain English, Anyone can use these networks, and anyone can see what is happening on them. They're open platforms, and as such, constitute a public good, with the added importance of providing what is arguably the most essential form of social infrastructure, a monetary system. Protecting that good is how we define our responsibility as a news organization covering the transformation of money in the 21st century. 
Think of it as an upgrade to the fourth estate concept, applying a similar role of public accountability in the governance systems of open source code and borderless information networks to that which the mainstream media traditionally applies to governments and big businesses. We cover this industry with a view that crypto technology should remain free from capture by narrow private interests, open to innovation, and developed in such a way that users can freely access it without compromising their rights. The cryptocurrency provision in this bill, with the obligation it imposes on cryptocurrency, quote, brokers to report user transactions to the Internal Revenue Service, undermines all three of those principles. Its blanket wording gives the state the potential to exert excessive influence over the technology's use, which would limit the prospects for innovation. And as the Electronic Frontier Foundation warns, it would be a, quote, disaster for digital privacy, end quote. The problem lies in the original provision's catch-all definition of broker, which, as written, could include miners, hardware wallet makers, protocol developers, and others that take no custody of customer assets, and therefore should remain exempt from anti-money laundering and other reporting requirements. Large parts of the provision are unenforceable because developers of open-source free software have no way of knowing who is using their products. Where operators do have a known customer base, the definition could enlarge a limited surveillance system into something far more comprehensive and insidious. In the end, it would be counterproductive because it would encourage developers and users to flee the U.S. for friendlier jurisdictions. Of course, crypto investors who owe capital gains tax should be subject to the same reporting requirements that others face in the financial system. The sector could benefit from the legitimization that taxation brings. But this bill, as written, goes way too far. Its shortfalls would have been sufficiently addressed by the bipartisan Wyden-Loomis-Toomey Amendment, which was pulled together last week amid a mass crypto industry lobbying effort led by DC-based crypto interest group Coin Center, the Chamber of Digital Commerce, the Blockchain Alliance, and the Association of Digital Asset Management. The revised language sufficiently crafts the right exemptions for developers, miners, others, and appropriately leaves developers free to exercise their right to code, arguably protected by the First Amendment. The Wyden-Loomis-Toomey Amendment received significant bipartisan support. Unfortunately, the White House and Treasury Department worry that the operation won't amass the targeted $28 billion in new tax revenue. They backed the competing Warner-Portman Cinema Amendment that would offer certain exemptions for mining and hardware wallet providers, but not much more. In many respects, this adjustment makes things worse by distinguishing between protocols. It breaks a cardinal rule of regulation. It seeks to regulate technology itself instead of its users, inserting bureaucrats into the business of deciding which tech should or shouldn't succeed. Ethan Buckman, co-founder of blockchain project Cosmos, acutely demonstrated the counterproductive nature of this kind of parsed wording. When the initial wording of the Warner Amendment exempted proof-of-work mining, but not proof-of-stake, he pointed out in a tweet that cryptographers can trivially add proof-of-work functionality to their proof-of-stake consensus mechanisms to meet the amendment's requirements. If it's important that Coindesk doesn't pick winners and losers between competing technologies, it's doubly important that governments avoid doing so as well. This is not to say the government doesn't have a responsibility to ensure that people using this or any other technology operate within the law, and the industry would benefit from the legitimacy that sensible regulation can bring. But if lawmakers want the United States to be a fertile environment for innovation, they must ensure that any new regulation doesn't quash the capacity to innovate here. The future payoff in tax revenue will be so much higher in that vibrant new economy than under this short-sighted traffic cop approach. Lawmakers may be understandably eager to get this bill passed given the derelict state of the country's infrastructure and unwilling to hold it up over some clumsily worded language about what, to them, seems an esoteric niche. But this is penny wise and pound foolish. Not only could the bill as written hamstring the development of modern financial infrastructure and the economic benefits that come with it, it would undermine American values of free speech and individual privacy. 
And that's our show for today. Thanks very much for listening. This episode was edited by Adrian Blossom. You can send us an email at podcast at coindesk.com or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. We'll be back tomorrow with another news roundup. And just a reminder that Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice.